broadcasting from a dark basement office. The FBI's most unwanted presents the X-Files podcast. And you start dancing. Anyway, what's up, pal? Hey, nothing. Oubliette, nothing. Uh, it's time for Oubliette, yeah? Nothing mm-hmm. out of the ordinary. Just psyched to be here. We weren't venting and being really weird and emo in the pre-show chat. We're just <laughs> having a regular normal day. God damn it. Calling me, when you when you call me emo, you're basically putting any any vestiges of manhood I have left and crushing them in a vice. <laughs> Millie in the chat said that you are channeling Anakin energy. Oh, terrific. <laughs> awesome. Well, you, then I'm, tell me your pardon thoughts me, on I'm gonna sand. Go, I'm going to go murder children. <laughs> Well, Oubliette, we are back for one of our conventional episodes. I don't like that word. We're back. Stupid. Yeah. We're back to a non-watch-along, non-bonus style episode. <laughs> I, How about that? We can work on that. We can work <laughs> on that. It's a bit that. of a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> We're working on one of our standard operating procedures, the thing we kind of started with like years ago when we were picking kind of thing before we discovered there were other option types of episode today. Right. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. Nailed Super. it. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. We're excited. We're excited to talk about Oubliette. Man, uh, this episode, I am going to come right out and say, uh, I don't know. I feel like it's not considered top tier. I'm just pulling that out of my ass. I just, you don't see the name. I, I concur. But I feel like it's a, you know what? Like it, when needs they to be, say, it needs to be discussed. When they say, when they talk about a uh, pick your sport, like, sure. He's a hockey player's hockey player. You yep. know what I mean? This mm-hmm, is a X-Files fan kind of episode. I think almost every X-Files fan loves this fucking episode. I can dig that. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. This episode is good, man. It's really good. Mm. I, listen, that's what I did. I just did that. Um, <laughs> I just did that. I don't know why. Because <laughs> it doesn't matter, Josh. <laughs> it's all meaningless. <laughs> I'm just fucking Life around. is pain. Your dreams are going to die. <laughs> Bring out your dead. You'll be forgotten uh, completely within three generations, no matter what you do. Terrific. Right. Ashes. <clears throat> dirt. Just pick up a handful of dirt and then tell yourself soon. Just put dust in the one on repeat. <laughs> throw, throw dust up into the air and just say soon. That's all you <laughs> uh, Dude, this is a good episode of television. It was very unexpected. Yeah. Yeah. Really unexpected. Did you have any thoughts or memories of this one? Zero. I had one thought or memory, and that was Kaylee from Firefly is the victim in question. She is. Yuck. Very yuck. Uh Yeah, very yuck. But pretty soon, nice. (laughs) Eventually. Eventually. When she hits Firefly, real nice. Nice. Right now, yuck. Yuck. Get out. Unless you're uh, Craigie here. Hmm? Unless you're Craigie boy. Oh, God. But that guy, or Carl, I'm sorry. Um, Can I just, do you remember a time? Can I set the stage, Joshua? Mm -hmm. I'm going to put down the tablecloth. I'm going to put down the silverware and plates, and I'm going to serve you up some stew. Okay. It's not filet mignon. I'm going to be frank. It's stew today. Okay. Comfort food. Do you remember when? uh, Spoiler, any answer is no. Okay. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember when a school had such a great budget that it had an independent photographer and a middle-aged assistant along for the ride <laughs> to leer at children Boy. in the bleachers? No, what the fuck? 
no screening whatsoever. It was well, in my I, high I will school. Say this: there was like an agency. It wasn't like a high school teacher that was taking the, the photographs. I hope not. <laughs> it wasn't the I gym teacher <laughs> with fucking mirrors on his shoes. <laughs> hey, um, all I remember school, is I could, could never get the cool background. My mom would never fucking spring. laser beams. Yeah, I want the laser beams. I always got Dude, that boring blue washed out shit. I didn't have the laser beams at all. And I definitely want, I was like, a laser show. Look at my peach fuzz. But I'll tell you what, another thing, my high school was so bad. You could miss four days of school and they wouldn't call your house. <laughs> In a row? Yep. Oh, just four days. They wouldn't call till the fifth day. Okay. You could be dead. It's like a missing persons kind of thing? Pretty much, except worse. <laughs> the police respond faster, which is saying something. Um, so the idea of a photographer's assistant that wasn't just some unpaid intern is hilarious to me, especially that I would be like, who is this guy? Oh, my assistant? The creepy guy you barely know? But yeah, you're right. It was an agency, wasn't it? That took those pictures with the laser beams. Yeah, independent contractor. Imagining they right. went out of business along with Blockbuster and everything else from the 90s. This is true. Yeah, it's a, it, yeah. Photographer's assistants, balls on dogs, and like dark rooms have <laughs> vanished off the planet. Do you know what I mean? Like you just don't see any of those things anymore. Mm, it's wild. True. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, uh, we know Jewel State there, the future Kaylee from Firefly. And Indeed. boy, I had the hardest time. I was convinced that this guy, Carl, mm-hmm. played by Michael Chifio, maybe. Um, I, I bet I think I know who you thought he was. Run it at me. Um, what the fuck show is it or movie? He's like kind of a, a, a like a wimpy, nerdy kind of guy. Mm, yep. Um, yeah, right? The guy I'm thinking of played a senator. And I spent a while <laughs> tracking this down. Damn. It's not even good. I'm just, it's not even anybody famous. It was in like one of the older, like the early 2000s or maybe a couple of them, X-Files or X-Files, X-Men movies. He played like a senator who gets like, gets transformed. I don't think he becomes the blob. I think, but they, 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 they fuck him up. Yeah. They fuck him up bad. And I was The first X-Men film. The first X-Men film. Yes. Yep. Played by Bruce Davison. That's who I was thinking of. Not that guy. Yeah. Yeah, this guy's in like 120-something things, and I don't think I remember him from a single one of them. I think I just remember him from this episode because, boy, that look. When when yeah, he yeah, when he's yeah. looking at young Kaylee, it's and, then, tough. Ooh, and then when he's like almost like nutting when he's cutting up those photographs and like putting them together and taking pictures, like, ah, mm-hmm. that's hard. There's only two things for me that I have a hard time watching in tv and film like violence of almost any kind is okay pretty typical i have a hard time with like animals being hurt or killed and i have a hard time with like man on women woman slash girl sexual violence shit for me it's uh, yeah sexual violence i can watch dude get raped by another dude all day yeah, don't you typically (laughs) isn't that like one of your searches (laughs) rape role play yeah no but um yeah it's it is like just regular violence is is but beating up chicks and children i don't know i think i think it's because i perpetually root for underdogs so like when i see disparities of force it bothers me you know what i mean it bothers me but i can i can deal with a chick getting slapped around you know sometimes you got to take your day out yeah. but when it gets like if it's Sean Connery i get it with those big meat hands just mm-hmm. slap yeah. some sense into her um, right 
kidding. Or Obviously. like a fifties movie when a woman's being hysterical and they need to be slapped to like hysterical. Remember to, <laughs> remember to take the casserole out in time. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta come home to this. It's a it's a joke. <laughs> uh, that was a money. I gotta come Karen. home. <laughs> With no. Dad Karen. Ugh, but boy, when it's sexual. I gotta I, worry about getting whacked out on the street. I gotta come home to this. Dude, for the first um, time in uh, a long time, I shut off a movie. I couldn't finish a movie. I was watching. Because it was bad? No. It, it's called Funny Games. Okay. And it's, Don't know it. It's, it's so fucked up. It's like an indie horror kind of movie. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, it's like these two guys. They're out in kind of a um, Hamptons kind of place, rich family. Sure. And these guys that are next door that are supposedly staying with like the neighbors, you know, everybody's rich around here. They're on this lake house retreat kind of thing. But they eventually basically torture, kidnap and torture this family. Oof. And it just goes on and on. And then he like, one of the guys starts like, trying to make the wife do something while the husband's like sitting there with a broken leg. Mm. And I, I, I was like, I fucking can't talk about visceral fear, fear right there. Boy, I couldn't you want to talk, you want about talking, it. tapping into my like ultimate fears is that kind of shit. Yeah. I, That's I, brutal. Yeah. And I, like I said, I, I thought I could get through most shit, but I was like, I can't fucking watch it. I got to shut it off. I was like, it's like that movie where they're like, and puffing. <laughs> it's, a, it's like one of those that there's another movie. It's the one with, um, Fucking Aerosmith guy's kid. <laughs> Fuck. I'm good with names, huh? Uh, the chick? Liv Tyler. Oh, the yeah, and like strangers. They, they, they home invade him and they're like stabbing him up while they're ch- like, they, like yeah. when you're in a chair and you're tied and they just start stabbing you. I'm like, Fuck. Mm. Even like if it's even if it's like in the Sopranos and I hate the guy, I'm like, Ah, oh, that sucks, man. Like you got no fight back. You can't fight back. It's the worst. Yeah, it's but, a real but, bummer. Like, but but your point about like um, sexual assailing. Like, it's always, like, the creepiest, the creep, like, the creepy factor is the thing that creeps. Like, when the guy licks Sarah Connor's face, Ugh. like, that kind of shit, I'm just like, God. It makes like, me- we just talked about it in Deliverance, even though it's a guy where he just, like, touches his face. I'm like, Dad, that's tantamount to, like, it's just the way he does it, you know? Yeah. It's just that kind of shit. Yeah. Funny. And I, but, you know, honestly, I think this episode does a, a good job of walking the line of right really disturbing you and not and, and granted i'm sure they couldn't get away with too much more um, totally but there was a thing and you know people were talking about like the torture porn thing like can't the do it hostile style movie i just i don't think it's good me neither you know it's not it's 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 easy to just show really fucked up shit and, and I, I don't even know i like there were parts of funny games that i was like it was well done dude tim roth is like the the dad in it he's really good um mm-hmm. But, you know, in X-Files, and maybe it's a blessing of its format, the yeah. fact that it was 90s network TV that they could only push so far, but they pushed. I mean, you know, we've talked about an episode like Home, which actually I think was they did not allow to be re-aired after it was first released. Um, but a lot of these episodes are really pushing the envelope, but I think they're doing it in a good way. Like, man, you're so disturbed and creeped out that, it just pulls you in more. You know, we've talked about this in other episodes when you don't care about the victim. I mean, here you're going so far in the other direction. And then as it gets into it and you're and this, this back and forth with Scully and Mulder and the other pencil neck agent there. Um, yeah. you're, you're in, you're in from the get go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's, um, your, your point about torture is well made. Um, 
I don't, and it came up in the it came up in the chat as torture worse than murder. I don't think it is if you're raking them in the hierarchy of sins. Although torture is typically tantamount to murder. Um, typically, people are tortured until they are murdered. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I, I I look at it as just a prolonged death. <laughs> a lot of times with torture, but um, but no, it's um, it it doesn't do much for me either because uh, and I think what I think what bothers me so much about it is the helplessness factor because nobody gets tortured because they want to. They get tortured because they're unable to do anything because of the circumstances surrounding why they're being tortured, which is typically they're incarcerated or they're locked up or chained up or whatever, and that's just a disturbing prospect to me. That mm. said. Um, they are saying in the chat, I believe it was Carmelita, that this is disturbing but not graphic, and that's a good way to put it. I really do like disturbing, but I guess it, it depends on the type of disturbing. Um, well, I, th- I think that's where this, you branch into torture porn is when you you're just you're you're trying you're getting extra because value. you're showing it all. You're shocking people and just showing them. <laughs> this crazy is hilarious shit. too in the chat as I'm like rambling on about something. BP says it's in your notes. Like the Jesus. notes he sends me just fucking Thanks, putting me on blast. <laughs> they all know. They know. We asked you to show your work, Josh. We're going to have to mark this one wrong. <laughs> uh, you know, but for me, honestly, I have a much, much higher threshold for for violence, even like same, even torturous violence. Like mm-hmm. it, it, not like it doesn't bother me, not like I'm immune like to it, but sexual violence, dude, is really, really hard. Yeah, I That's totally what I hear can't that. Do. Yeah. yeah, and and it is. It's it's the it's um I don't know, man. It's uh, stark. Yeah, stark and there shit. there was some you know we don't have to go into all the details, but but BP did send me some notes. There was there was there was stuff going on uh, in the news contemporary to the production of this episode with a twelve year old girl. Um, that was a pretty big story. Um, what was it Polly Polly Class case? Okay. Um, and they they had to make some pretty major tweaks, and honestly, it might be to the episode's benefit. the The abduction and subsequent torture of Amy Jacobs was heavily downplayed, and her age was bumped from twelve to fifteen. Okay, like they say she's fifteen, even though you know she's really twelve, because you know, like it's more okay to do this to a fifteen year old than a twelve year old, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like we're in some Eastern European country where the age of consent is fourteen. Once you get your period, all bets are off. <laughs> some fucking creepy producer with a cigar in his mouth. Ugh, get the fuck uh, out of here, dude. Yeah, but yeah, the the creep factor is is very, very real uh, in this episode for sure. But um, yeah. I mean, it, 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 in, in, um, yeah, it's that idea of being, and, and you know, I, I like how they play it off on him. Um, what, what's the man's name? I don't know. Is it, is it Wade? Uh, Carl, Carl Wade, I think. Carl Wade. <clears throat> so Wade is this guy who is like, I like the idea of the restraint that he has because it's his kink for lack of better words. Yeah, it's really weird when, right. when Lucy talks about that later. Like he feels like he can't touch her yet. Right. It's like ugh, right. that's almost more disturbing, right? Right, right. And I, I, I mean, <laughs> yes and no, right? <laughs> if he does, it's really bad. It, it. What's disturbing about it is knowing his own mental temptations. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Knowing his own mindset, which is it's that bad that he can't even get within a certain range of her. Yeah. Like that's how bad his compulsion is. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. And it's it's interesting, you know. I like there's a lot this episode does right. It does it does do, you know, you you never quite feel it's disturbing, but it's not overtly terrible because it's a date it's an it's a it's a broadcast television show and they manage to creep you out in a way that's effective without us going, God, shut this off. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not what's the name of that movie you were talking about? It's not that movie, right? Funny games, yeah. Funny games. So um and, and they in in so they dance the line very effectively, number one. Number two, um, I like observing Wade interact with the tow truck guy and a few other people and just seeing how he is, you know, how he's just so fucked up. And um, just the rage that he has with the tire iron, the guy trying to help him. The guy's definitely being kind of weirdo himself. <laughs> but but um, like, what are you doing? And he just drives away. He's like, he's like trying to, what is this Mad Max, by the way? He drives tow trucks around and offers to help people for money. And then he haggles with them and drives away. It's a good it's racket. Like, okay. It's a good racket. Not, I guess. Yeah. Mm. He's probably throwing fucking nails out the window. Yeah. Too funny. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. The creep factor but, is very good. Now we, uh, we talked a good bit about our boy Carl here. I want to ask you about Lucy. Lucy's the older woman. Mm-hmm. And by older, I mean the older victim, not the child victim. Correct. The woman. The woman. Yes. Yeah. What'd you think about, uh, <clears throat> what do you think about like the performance, the character? She reminds me of, um, kind of like Hillary Swank. She has a Hillary Swank vibe to her. Yeah. <clears throat> Very know? believable that she's been through some shit. Yes. Hillary Swank has that way about her too. Um, she's on my mind because I just watched that movie I Am Mother, which I definitely recommend. Um, never, never seen it. It's on Netflix. It's free. It's, it's a, a sci-fi movie. Some robot ro- shit. Robot raises a kid. Don't like that. Mm-hmm. Well, Don't like that. Okay. But um, <clears throat> she reminded me of like a like a bizarre world. Like very dark Sarah. things happened to Joey Lauren Adams. Like at a young age. All right. Like she came out like this instead of like you know the America's Sweetheart kind of looking Joey Lauren Adams. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know. She definitely has a look about her. She has, and you know, they, they, they make her look a lot more strung out. I'm sure if you look at her headshots, she looks a lot different, mm-hmm. but like she has a look about her that makes me go, okay, cool. She can be, you know, she has a, she just has a look about it. It looks like she could be rough around the edges. Yeah. Went through, it's, it's like, it's like my girl, Chloe Savigny. I'm in love with her, but mm-hmm. you know, if you want, if you want an actress to play like a Daisy Duke, like trash Florida girl, perfect. She's perfect mm. for it. Yeah. It's fucking, and it's beautiful, you know? Yeah. But she, but she doesn't have to be, but I guess what I'm saying is she has a look that works for this, like kind of, I was abducted and fucked up and was a junkie and I work at a burger shack and I'm, I don't know how old she's supposed to be, but, um, yeah, they, they, they never w- really say, but I, I think I'm, they wanted her to be older. They, they wanted her to feel older than she really is kind of thing. Sure. You know? <laughs> Boy, what a great thing to have in your headshot. Can definitely, can definitely play older than I actually am. <laughs> As a, that's great. It's terrific. She's got the Indiana Jones kind of, it's not the year. what every it's, woman it's wants to be, be told by a casting director. <laughs> you know, you have an older look about you. You don't look young and vibrant, more like old and dull. That's perfect. Weathered, like a, like a windward dock. <laughs> Seasoned, like an old piece of steak. <laughs> Thank you. Like a weathered dock. Like a dock that gives splinters. <laughs> like a deck that's in need of resurfacing. <laughs> <laughs> like a car you just can't beg to put in the crusher. <laughs> you want to just hang on to it despite all of the noise. And You're not getting anything smells. for the trade-in. Who are you kidding? Yeah. Blue Book has it at a big fat zero. <laughs> $325. <laughs> That's just in scrap metal alone. 
That's uh, dark, dog. That's yeah. dark shit. Yeah, it's not. But she plays. I think she plays this uh, this role well. She she has the look She's for not. sure. But you know the whole She's got the look, like the reluctance to help. And I mean the whole heart of the episode, right? It 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 comes down. The creepy factor is great. You know. She's great, but the the meat and potatoes, the reason that I think most people, a lot of people that were at least chiming in the Facebook page and the chat saying they love this episode, it's about Mulder. Um, mm-hmm. His his reaction to her, how he very slowly awesome. is able to, to draw her out of her shell, the empathy he has, and then the conflict with Scully in a very interesting way. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's, that's a shit that elevates this episode, right? Beyond... Yeah. Anything else? Mulder looks at her and he's like, "If we would have went to high school together, I would have chased you around because you would have been the Doc Martin plaid skirt girl, mm, cooler than me, and I would have been the the mama's boy who really should be dating the preppy girls, but instead I'm kind of chasing around the girl with the black fingernails, right? That's Mulder. <laughs> Wait a minute, actual, actual dangerously fact. accurate. <laughs> wow, <laughs> this could be a biography. I'd say. Uh, but no, you know, it's like, um, it, it is interesting though, my bullshit aside, it's like, it is such a good case in Mulder learning how to, and this is new for Mulder, man, learning how to apply leverage in a very controlled and empathetic way while Scully is just maintaining the evidence, right? Yeah. I mean, if anything, not unbelievably so, like that's what's- Yeah, you're, you're, I know what you're going to get to, right? Is it is it possible- that is it possible that we did a little bit of a writing faux pas with with Jalen Anderson's reaction to a woman in this bad position? I think it's it should be asked or addressed. It should be it should be asked. It's it's a conversation. But I think it's it's not like she comes off cold, right? No, she she comes off. I mean, it, she's kind of with Mulder for a while. She doesn't have as much of a connection for sure, and. There's a question there because we've seen Scully definitely gravitate towards victims, especially women. Um, yeah. And here, you know, but I, th- I think also part of it is that beyond any connection she might have with the victim before she's even had, or, or not the previous victim, I guess, slash sure. suspect in this case of, of Lucy, before she can or can't kind of form an empathetic relationship, Mulder's all in there. So I think what makes for me, Mulder's reaction to that more believable. I'm sorry, Scully's reaction to Mulder. I got you. And the whole situation more believable. Instead of coming off like cold fish, she's looking at Mulder and and viewing it as he's he's getting too far in. He's letting his emotions take a hold. A lot of this is coming back to his sister. That kind of thing. I think if Mulder didn't have a strong a reaction and didn't have so such an overwhelming empathy to 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 Lucy. I think Scully probably would have had more. I think she's kind of balancing out because she's like, fuck, Mulder's, yeah, yeah. Mulder's kind of checked out here. He's not making rational decisions. And then especially when you do have like some pretty crazy evidence, when you have a DNA right. match blood on her of, of the current victim. It, 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 it begs the question for, for Scully, and it's very reasonable for her to beg the question. Yeah. Which is, wait a minute. <clears throat> it, now, the flip side is we are three seasons into some crazy shit we've seen, but at the end of the day, you're always going to fall back on that which you can quantify. And it's not unreasonable for Scully to do so, you know? Right. But she did seem a touch emotionally kind of not present for some of the stuff with her. But I think that's a decision you have to make 
if you really want to put this on Mulder from just a meta standpoint, and I'm okay with it. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think that's probably fair. Um, I think, and maybe you know, I, I think it's believable enough. I think there's definitely some writing stuff going on. To there's, it's believable enough to be to to not really affect the viewing. I guess right doesn't you pull me I mean? out of it. Nah, not at all. Because I think uh, because this this is what happens. We have an we have an ebb and flow, right? Yes. We it's 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 the scales of justice. Just imagine them for a minute. And every week we're putting a little bit on one side, and, little, and it's like you. You're, you're, some days you're going to tip it to Scully. Some days you're going to tip it to Mulder. And it just depends on what kind of plot points you're throwing into the fucking, you know what I'm saying? Yep. It, it, you're, you're, you're deciding with limited screen time what we're going to do here right. with these characters. And at the end and of the how day, we want certain ones to shine. Yeah. And Scully's not like, fuck this broad. She's guilty as hell. It's just like, a, there's That's, too much. That was caught. I heard that was, um, that was the like original a, take. They, they, they she did was like, that. this cunt sniffing around my dick. And I was like, yeah, we should cut that line. <laughs> That's my dick. <laughs> she just gra- grabs Mulder's crotch while she like fucking Grace Jones. Grab him and take him. <laughs> fucking awesome. Uh, um, boy, <laughs> that was I. <laughs> boy, I don't know. The line was somewhere over there. We jumped way over the fuck mm, over it though, as per usual. Oh yeah. So it's she's making good points. All right, and, and yeah. honestly, one of easily the best scenes in this episode is that big confrontation that Mulder and Scully have in the hallway after the, the agent in charge there puts out the ATP. Oh, right. Yep. And it's, you know, Scully's not saying she's definitely guilty, but she's like, she has the DNA of the blood on her. She identified the kidnapper as the same person that kidnapped her. She talks about Stockholm syndrome and all this other stuff. Like it's just, it's not like she's ready to throw the book at her, but she is involved. Like, she has right. to be involved. There's no other way that all these things line up and make sense. And, you know, as you're talking, you know why it's not unbelievable? Because this is what Scully does. She presents tr- tr- tried and true facts based on historical cases to date. I mean, this, isn't a, this is what she does. She says, listen, it's possible she's connected to Wade because of this traumatic experience and that there's a part of her that's replaying this trauma. She's not, these aren't her words, but you get what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do. Like a lot of times when people go through trauma, back me up shrinks in the chat. A lot of times they, people will try to recreate it in a way by either putting themselves in it again or whatever to exert some kind of control over it. Yeah. And that's like a thing that's it in the, in the lady is disheveled, you know, she's kind of fucking, she's kind of a waterhead yeah. and it's important for Scully to, <laughs> to you know what I'm saying? She likes WWE shirts. Little, little sloshy. She's got a little sloshy upstairs. You know, uh, she acts like somebody poured ginger ale into her skull. Sometimes is what I'm saying. Mm. She's a waterhead. Yeah, but that's okay. There's there's some connecting lines in that family tree, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. The synapses sometimes they just don't quite light up the room. You know. Yeah. So some good shit in the chat. We're talking more about Scully's reaction um, because okay. we're questioning the believability of that. And people are talking a little bit about about Mulder because um, we have you know we should talk about this too. We've we mock Mulder his lack of like empathy. Yeah, or that like, was a really good listener comment this week by what you're going into now. Um, um, if, but please if, continue. Well, if you want to hit that, uh, bring that right in here. And I've just a few things people were saying in the chat, which I think is great. So uh, this kind of has both points. Sir Thom says I think Scully was more focused on finding the girl who was missing and had less time for Mulder's embassy with with Lucy. Um, Millie saying, I wonder if part of Mulder wonders if Samantha was simply kidnapped like Lucy was, thus his empathy. Jay Curry, same thing, based on his sister getting abducted. 
Carmelita had a great one also. Um, I think too, he feels for someone who nobody else will believe. Mm-hmm. That's, that's some interesting that's shit. Cause the, the sister thing for sure, that's very clear. This is a, that's always going to be there. Right. right. And there kind of goes without saying not, not to disrespect the, 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 the notion, no, but, but, a, a, but it's a much stronger one to suggest that you are a voice for somebody who seems to have none. Yeah. Which is very belief. I mean, that does indirectly link back to the sister, but it, it's a little bit more tangible. And I like that. Like nobody speaking for his sister. Right. Right. Yep. He's uh he, if he ever has empathy and demonstrates it well in, in, in episode of the X-Files, it's, it's for the outsiders, the weirdos, the 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 losers, the victims. You know, <laughs> he doesn't have empathy in his normal day to day life. He's kind of weird and you know socially awkward at times and whatever. But he connects with with the the outsider, I guess. Whether it's you know whether it's a carnival freak or it's you know a a victim of abduction and abuse. Yeah. Uh, it was Thomas Sir Thom says it is refreshing to see him passionate and driven to solve a case out of concern for the human victims, rather than his usual detached fascination with the supernatural. Mm. I love that. Yeah, right. Because we, we've Wait, talked that about was Sir Thom? We, yeah. Okay. We, we've talked about we've talked about this before, which is this idea of Mulder's inexorable quest for the truth of the capital T, despite what traumatic things people go through. Like we were talking about one of these episodes, I don't remember which one, they're out in the woods and shit and in <clears throat> the mother lost a kid or whatever and he's just pushing the mother and you're like, dude, how about some fucking empathy? Yeah. Because he's so fascinated with the prospect of aliens that he kind of steamrolls anything in his quest to solve that riddle. Right. That the, this, the overall justice is is the truth. The capital T truth is the important thing. Right. It outweighs all other discomfort. It's, it's very much a zealot's way of life. Right. Mm-hmm. And Mulder, if anything, could be called the zealot, I think, for sure. I concur. Uh, But very different here. Yeah. I mean, if anything, the, he cares much more about, it's, it's not even, he's not even that interested in the supernatural aspect of what's happening. That's what's, yeah, that's what's different. Totally. And, and this goes back to something you're fond of reminding everyone. And, uh, and I always like it when you do, but it's the idea that the monster is a human being. The human beings are capable of great monster, uh, are capable of monstrous acts, um, more so than anything else on the planet thus far. Right. And, and I like that. I like when you say that. And it's funny that we see that here because our main antagonist is in fact a human man, um, a very deranged and sick fucking individual. But the supernatural, that, this, that's what makes this episode, that's what, you know, we're, we're starting to, we're starting to finally see some fucking glints in the chipping away at this plot. I think we see some gold here and that's what it is, right? Mm. We have a tangential supernatural thing that's not causing the harm. No, right. Right? It's pretty cool. Like the bad guy is not under the influence of the supernatural. The bad guy is not using supernatural ability and what's happening is a supernatural event which is leading Mulder to to make the connections he is, but it's it's almost perfunctory because he cares about the voiceless in this particular episode because nobody fucking gives a shit about. First of all, think about Mulder's whole life. His whole life is nobody believes him. He's spooky. They make fun of him. They stick him in a fucking basement. Who's his advocate? He's his own advocate. He has to be. So when he sees other people in that kind of way that maybe don't have the skill set he does to advocate for themselves, he's compelled to do it. 
and and there is a part of that that brings that that almost links back to the truth, which is very fascinating. It's very, it's all very, it's all connected a little bit, but in a good way, you yep. know, not in like an Anakin made the droids way, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, but yeah, Damn. you're 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 right. And then how many, you know, how many episodes of the X Files where Mulder, as per usual, he has a hunch on something <laughs> and he's right about the supernatural, but there's no excitement to like. You know, this is this is related to these other X Files of like this psychic, you know, pain shared by these Trump. He never really goes into one of his usual rants of like explaining or theorizing about you know what is causing the X File or similar things have happened. It's it's about the people, and that's what's right. crazy because to Mulder, honestly, it's almost never about the people, and not like he's you know soulless; he doesn't care. But his passion and his interest is usually centered around that event, that thing, that mm-hmm. the supernatural occurrence, right? Right. And here it's, you're right. You said it perfectly, perfunctory. It's a means right. to the end of solving solving the case of trying to save this girl. Um, but it's it's about Lucy. Almost, right. it, almost even more for Mulder by the end of it than it is about Amy. Because he, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, I was thinking that too. Because it's a, it's a it's a double it's a it's a two headed beast right it's I can't help but talking metaphors which I don't know what my problem is yeah. but not it a, is yeah two headed beast what's the two headed beast out of uh, mythology I don't recall Cerberus no that's three yeah Chim- uh, Chimera three three most of them are three mm. usually it's some sort of like weird Cyclops monster Hydra like a bunch heads. oh uh Etten 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 nice nerd fucking boom. So, um, yeah, it is, um, it is obviously they want to save the kid, but it's also, I think he sees somebody in dire need of assistance and she's a fee, she's female and it's, there's a connection to his past and, um, yeah, it's, I think, I think a lot of this rests on the sister thing because he's imagining like, how old is she now? Like this could be her. This woman could be my sister. And then the young yeah. girl could be his sister that he never saved, right? It's very wild. It's almost like he's looking at his entire timeline in one fucking shot between these two, well, yep. one woman and one child. Yes, I, I agree completely. And, you know, the the sister thing is there, but I I like that when Mulder and Scully have that, that confrontation there and, you know, Scully kind of calls him out on that. Like, I, I don't even remember if, she's the one that brings up the sister or, or Mulder kind of just jumps right into it. But he, you know, he kind of addresses it because if it, if it hadn't come up as the audience, you're kind of like, it's too unbelievable. Right. Um, cause it's a missing child. It's a missing child. It's a, a woman who had gone through an abduction. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of all that shit, but sure. But I do believe that it's not to Mulder. It's, it's not, not the, it's not the focal point. It's not the whole, it's not, it's not, um, paper hearts. No, which will right. come. I mean, that's literally about. That's I think next season, season four. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's. Uh, I think that that aspect is handled well, right? The the tie into the yeah. sister thing. Yeah. Totally. But, but I like that Mulder kind of kind of fires back at Scully about that. Like I, it's not just about that. About you know, for me, I'm not a mindless kind of you know. He says something like, one event from my childhood is define everything that I do and everything that I feel. You should know about that more than anybody. Yes. Great line. Kind of comes right at her pretty hard. And Scully- right, because, she, because, you know, it's a very good exchange. This is good writing 
good writing is when two characters are making very good points and you go, well, you both have good points. Hers is, this is a factor. His is, it's not everything, right? It, it's totally believable based on what we know about these characters for both of them to take these stances. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Scully does kind of introduce them. I'm just rewatching it right now. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. Scully calling him right out on it. And she's the one that brings up his sister. And it's fair enough, like that it, you're so close, you're so involved, you're so empathetic to her that um, you couldn't possibly imagine her as perpetrating a, a crime. Right. And, and then, yeah, Mulder's response to that is great. It's not It's not always going to be about that that one thing. And they kind of cut it there. And I think the truth is somewhere in the middle. I think for sure his connection, you know, his experience with the sister is definitely a part of it. Um, but I do think there's more, more to it than that. Right. And I do. a Yeah. And, and I think a lot of it has to do with coming back to, you know, what shapes Mulder as a character, which is this man who is spooky, who is not taken seriously, who, despite making his bones on Monty props is, is still considered at times kind of a joke. And that's a pro. That's bad. That sucks to be considered that way. It sucks to be considered that way in your profession, in in especially in a profession you're very passionate about. You don't want to be a fucking joke, right? Right. You 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 don't want to be. Uh, you, you want to you want people to believe in what you're doing because you believe in what you're doing. And I think that's part of his entire worldview. And you know maybe his sister is part of it, sure. But but and he says it plainly. And and I'm and I'm coming back to it. But he says something along the lines of. Lucy is a victim here. Like that yep. matters to him. Yes. Lucy's a victim here. And, and 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 I think he knows the bureau, he knows Scully, he sees where this is starting to turn and it scares him, right? Yeah. And he knows I need to figure this out because this is starting to turn into this person who nobody believes, just like me when I'm sitting down in my fucking basement, nobody believes me. This is turning and I don't need this to turn because this person is a victim here. You know, I I think he's directly correlating it to his own life. And that's why I think you can pivot off of it being just all about the sister and it still works. Yeah. I like that. And I like that, you know, something you, you often bring up as a good point in different episodes is when beyond just the analysis of the supernatural or Mulder's guided slash lucky guesses about what's, (laughs) what's happening when they do demonstrate good police work. And it's cool that Ah. it not, this whole case isn't solved solely because of the connection of what whatever's happening between Amy and Lucy, it takes some real fucking police work about, you know, the witness, that car repair dude or whatever, tow truck guy, and sure. then going to the photography store, knowing that he'd have yeah. an account. They kind of breeze by it, but it's cool that that there's, you know, we see that they're still doing real investigation shit mm-hmm. in Mulder's totally. doing it, right. I mean, he, he is, he's the one that kind of comes up with it, which is, which is yeah. a nice little vindication. Like, in other words, he's not just so lost in Lucy, so to speak. Right. And that's important. And, and you know, I, I have the scene on, um, let's see, it's about 16 minutes, 17 minutes, and I keep bouncing around the episode here, where she's eating soup. Mm. Head down, um, slurping. Yeah. And her face is just, she's looking straight. She's like the fucking hound. She's like not paying any attention to anything around her. She just wants to eat and be left alone. And there's something interesting about this moment because it just makes me think, watching it, watching Mulder watch her, is that this woman, and I'm and I'm sorry I don't have her name at my fingertips, but she doesn't, here's why I think she's really good in this episode. I don't think she ever overacts crazy. I think she's just disturbed and she really does a good job of being sort of socially awkward. She, she, she doesn't always go for the eye contact. She looks away unless she's trying to really make a point. 
she's a real human in that she's saying, and, and it sucks, but to say you're not interested in helping the police find a missing girl is, is it's, it's hard to make that believable, but I think it is very believable. Absolutely. And, um, and, and I do, I really do. And especially for somebody who's been through a lot of traumatic things. I mean, you're talking about somebody who was an addict or is an addict, because I guess you are forever, and who was abducted and has problems. And they don't play her like totally disheveled and off the fucking wall. It's just a little ticks in her body language. You know, there, there was this time where it was like, let's play the person in the padded room. Let's play the crazy character. And it's just so overdone. People just really overdo it. Yeah. Um, probably the best modern example is Ozark season three. I haven't they watched that they, it's a really good show, man. They introduce a character in the third season and he is he has a lot of mental problems. And it's so, it is one of the most challenging things to, I've, I've watched a lot of things that, that move me, but it was really difficult to watch him. It's like the episode before the season finale. I don't want to get into it, but watch him struggle with who he is and what choices he makes and how he feels such tremendous guilt about it, but still does the wrong thing still anyway. And watching its effect on him and on everyone around him who cares about him. It's really, really compelling and tragic and hard to watch. So shout out to Ozark season three. But besides that, it's really hard to play like, I'm like fucking girl interrupted. You know, like it's like, you, we, we always want to overdo the fucking crazy and not have it just be a sudden. It reminds me of, Back to fucking nerd references. Every PC who ever played a Malkavian in Vampire, that's <laughs> like seven people are going to get that. But you know what I'm saying? It's just over the top insane. Like, yep. it just it, there's no subtlety to it. And I think for a fucking network television show, third season to snatch this woman up to have her play Lucy, I think she does a really good job. Like, we oscillate between seeing her initial problems where they're watching her on the black and white footage to her acting in person, and you go, man, this is. This is believable, and it makes you feel for Mulder because you see him observing this pain, and no one else is because nobody else can be bothered to. Right? Yeah. They. She's a person of interest to everybody else. Yeah. She's a a person. A, a to person. Him. Yeah. Nailed it. Um, Tracy Ellis. We to give her a shout out. That's the actress. And Tracy Ellis. Good job, dude. And really you good. that especially early on that her not wanting to get involved, her being you know. You could look at it as, as being unwilling to help. It's she is so barely hanging on after everything she's been through in her life that it's all she can do to. She's in perpetual survival mode, and uh, man, she's such a fucking such a tragic character. I think honestly, sure, sure, sure. one of the most tragic characters we've seen, especially in a standalone episode of not only everything she went through, but then what her whole life has been, and then. Then she to has to basically relive it all again. And then and die. And then die. <laughs> and then die. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking brutal. And that actually, so to bring us, because I want to ask you about the end in particular. Full circle. But before we do, uh, not a lot of lighthearted things to find in this episode. Uh, but let me ask you, let's do a little yeah, tack corner. We haven't done a little tack time. Oh, and let me just say this. Yeah. I, let's do tack time. Mm -hmm. Because... There is an image that I will want to freeze and blow up and, and just email to you with a big WTF on it. I want to say, what the fuck is this guy doing? What's happening? Um, but before Tack, tack Corner, um, so this guy has a beautiful cabin and somewhere in wherever, where, where are they again? I don't remember. Washington State? 
Sure. You get this cabin out in the fucking woods in Washington State, is and it, you're an assistant to a photographer. It's the real. That's the real X file. Yeah, it could, it could have been his family. Also, the disturbing part of him taking pictures of her repeatedly. Oh. And and let me tell you what really. Here's what really <laughs> gets my gets my justifiable homicide boner really really standing up. It's when a little girl is saying, "I just want to see my mommy," <laughs> and you don't let her go. That makes me want to kill you and burn your entire property to the ground. Mm. You know what I mean? Like that really got to me. Like that was her. Like yeah, we can we can think about it or see the after effects of it and imagine the disturbing part. <clears throat> but just her simple her saying that, and then for a child to say, "I don't want to die down here," it's like I mean, merciless beating of his face with a baseball bat. It you know almost I mean? like that, disappoints me that he gets killed so quick with a single I know. gunshot. I know it would have been better if he took a shot low and just floated down the river and drowned because his legs didn't work. Or, or Mulder catches up to him and then just like pushes his head underwater for like forty seconds, like basically waterboards him in I the like river. It. Sure, for sure, for like a whole, a whole like whatever a segment is, like nine minutes, like commercial yeah. to commercial, the whole thing. And then just, they bring it, and then he drags him onto the riverbank when he's got blue lips, but he's still alive and <laughs> conscious. Yeah, and he just beats his face in with a rock. But I hate torture porn. (laughs) (laughs) He just breaks his skull and teeth out with a rock. Mm. (laughs) Just crushing his teeth out of his face and smooshing his gums and just turning his (laughs) jawbone into dust. I fucking hate torture. It's awful. (laughs) Reprehensible. (laughs) Reprehensible. (laughs) (laughs) And you got to, yeah, I think whenever you're dealing with that level of perversion, you gotta cut off his genitals and stick them down his throat. <laughs> <laughs> and probably shoot him up the ass with a gun and let Something's him bleed out in his bowels. His <laughs> Something has to get inside his ass. I'm yep. thinking a 38 special, but on an angle. Mm. I like it. <laughs> Just let one rip through his back. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and as he's dying, hit him with the kerosene and light him up. <laughs> <laughs> and then throw him in the river and extinguish him. And drag him back. <laughs> you know, like you ever done that with marshmallows? Like, especially when you're a kid, you didn't get like the patience of like doing it like well roasted. You would just like light it on fire and then blow it out and then like peel yeah. a layer of it off and eat it and then do the same thing. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> because I burned in. Because I light marshmallows on fire and extinguish them, I could torture a man to death. All right. <laughs> it's a childhood thing. Yeah. All right. Tack time. Quick quick one. 32 minutes and 33 seconds in the uh, episode. 32 minutes, 33 seconds. Hang on. 30 minutes, 32, 32, 32. Okay. We are... It's a problem. <laughs> what is happening? The shotgun. The shotgun coming out on that weird angle. <laughs> I was, gonna, fuck? I was gonna ask about how you're transporting your shotguns. You just you get this fucking willy nilly. He's like, I just put the barrel, I just put the muzzle up against my foot. My foot, my thigh, the vehicle, and then up <laughs> and across my body, behind my partner's head, and then I run with my trench coat through the woods. <laughs> like, do you need the trench coats as you're closing in? No. Trini Martin. He's, he's in a Camry. Yo, <laughs> hey, he's in a Camry, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's attack Camry. Attack Camry. Trini Martin. Yeah. Um, you, you've, you've made entry to the uh, 
to the suspect's house, believed to be mm-hmm. armed and dangerous, holding a, uh, a young girl hostage. There is a cellar, mm-hmm. and uh, you're going to go ahead and send one agent down into that hole. <laughs> well, first, can we charge through the woods? <laughs> wildly swinging our 12 gauges to and fro while routinely pointing the muzzle at our friend's backs. Yes. As long as you're, what kind of attire are you looking to wear in this, in, in this situation? <laughs> I'm going to go real stylish long coats with nice slacks. Good. Good. You want to make yeah. sure as you know, as long as you can really, the, the more you can hinder yourself on the underbrush, mm-hmm. the better. Well, I don't want him to know we're carrying weapons, so I want to wear long, bulky trench coats, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, do you drive... But there's no reason to call a federal attack team, by the way, in this. You know, we don't need another Ruby Ridge on our hands. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> now, once you've sent that one agent down, and we do love one-man entries, do we not? It's one of my favorite things. Mm-hmm. Uh, without, without any type of... Um, I'm thinking leave the flashlights at home. I don't mm-hmm. want to upset the victim. Well, it's daytime. Why would you possibly need a flashlight? It's true, and it's daytime. Why would you possibly need a flashlight in the middle of a cabin in the woods? For sure. Now, once you have the one-man entry secured, how many agents do you surround that hole with, and and what kind of weapons posture do you want to present, knowing that you have one agent down there? I'm thinking I want to stick three guns down into that hole Mm -hmm. and just hope that he doesn't get shot in the face right. by one of our and you and and those agents their fingers are where directly on the triggers correct pointing at correct my, <laughs> p- pointing at my point man's head <laughs> <laughs> and more importantly the victim's face you want to make sure that well in in our defense we're not quite sure she's not a victim so fingers on the triggers boys fingers on the triggers so that no matter what the first sign of movement you can react that's thinking, what you need to do with an unknown situation. I'm thinking like Call of Duty. It's kind of like a snapshot. You just, pop, pop. you just because friendly fires off, right? Yeah, I, I don't think that's allowed in this scenario. You don't think you can turn friendly fire off in this? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> fucking goofy. Good. Well, he had to had to limber up a little bit in the midst of all this fucking awfulness. <laughs> this episode. <laughs> Oh, I'm glad that we're leading into our lady drowning to death in the back seat. Mm. Five liters in her lungs. Yeah. By, by the way, I somebody, by the way, I don't even um, want to call out who it was in the chat, but when you made the waterhead reference, someone in the chat said, kind of like she literally is later in the episode. Goddamn players. Whomp, whomp. <laughs> I should have said water lungs. <laughs> um, aqua lung? Sorry. But um, so can we make fun of another thing in this episode? Um, I don't know where medical doctor Scully got her, her training from. <laughs> I forgot about it. <laughs> but CPR doesn't stop till you get to the hospital. If twelve compressions didn't do it, it's not going to happen. <laughs> Give up on this kid, Mulder. I mean, she's fucked for life. Even if she lives, let her go. Just ran through the woods. My triceps are sore. My trench coat's just all her, dirty. Just, just let her float downstream. The bears will get her. Ugh. Less than God, twenty hey, seconds. Scully. Mulder. Hey, Scully. Stop. Why do you hate people this week? <laughs> <laughs> that is such a bummer of a, like, I get it for the dramatic effect of the trope. Of course, it's for the dramatic effect. But you do, you do do compressions, typically. And as a medical examiner there, typically you're doing them until you get to the fucking hospital. Yeah. Right? Yep. For a tale of a guy's doing fucking compressions for 30 minutes. Uh-huh. Like having a trade-off because you're literally gassing Absolutely. out. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. She's like, let her go, Mulder. It's been... 
23 seconds. Yeah. You've done seven compressions. Let her go. I've, I've, uh, I did a little time as a volunteer firefighter and I've, I've pumped away to the point of gassing out on some fat dead guys in, in my day. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's what you got to do sometimes. Yeah, you got to just keep pumping away on them. <laughs> pumping away on that guy. I hope they don't fucking vomit on you. Yeah. Well, um, but I think the, the point of it, what I, what I like about it, cause that part's silly as fuck, but it's, th- it's, it's, yeah, it's to set up. It's that Ugh, God watching him drag that girl into the water is angering me. Ugh. Ugh. As she's begging and he's like, I'm just going to slowly drown you now. Isn't that fun? The way too quick of a death. It's so annoying. I know. Um, but the fact that he, what was I saying here? Oh, uh, that, that her revival, Amy's revival is not like she was really dead. It's not like Scully was wrong. I think, right. That's what the episode wants us to believe is that it's Lucy's. And here's the question I want to put to you. <laughs> is and, it, is it voluntary involuntary? Correct. Yeah. I had a feeling that was going to come up because I think we can, we would agree. We don't even have to get into it. That it, Lucy, Lucy's expiration is what brings Amy back. Right? I would concur from, I would concur. The, so, so what do you think? Um, sadly, I don't think it's voluntary. I think she is afflicted because I didn't get any evidence to the contrary, especially considering the fact that she was disinterested anyway. Although now that I'm talking out loud, maybe her going there was a factor. Maybe she was trying because, because the guy didn't grab her, right? She went to the Uliad on her own. Right. I, so maybe there was part of her that did want to do, I just, I really wanted it to be that. I just don't know if they showed me that, but I do have the see I, I now, I only watched it once. I do have the scene on right now. They're about, don't worry, they're going to give up on this girl real quick. Let me just, <laughs> let me just skip ahead three chest presses. There we go. She's dead. Let M- her go. Mulder, stop. Stop it. Mulder, stop. You're annoying me. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Is my life-saving efforts on a child just <laughs> diner's going to close. Just sort of harsh in your day? Huh? Is it a real fucking drag for you? As I save a baby? Got all wet. Um, I'm watching it. She opens her eyes. The kid starts to move around. I think even more important than what you see in that scene is, is what you see in like the little epilogue ah, scene. Okay. When, when Scully and Mulder are talking and Scully talks about how, uh, Amy, <laughs> sorry, I have the episode on and I'm like, ah, oh, the poor agent has to drag that waterlogged fucking monster out of the water. <laughs> That's a sucky detail. <laughs> Jackson, go down and pull weight out of the fucking river. Oh, I hope they give it to that fucking guy. Pencil neck of the week no. award to that. That glasses wearing nerd. Nope. It wasn't him. It was some guy who looks like he's killed people for the mafia. <laughs> Bummer. Yeah. Yeah. That. Talk to me about the epilogue because I'm I'm not beyond convincing. Okay. Um, they talk about how Scully talks about how that Amy basically had no no injuries on her. Like her injuries went away. Even the ones that we had seen. They don't and they don't show it to us, which I think is a nice touch. Just talk about how she got dragged through the woods, she went through all this, and she had like basically no visible injuries. And sure. yet, you know, what did they find? Mulder asked what they found about Lucy. She drowned. And, you know, when Mulder's talking about Lucy, it's, you know, Scully says she may have, she may have died for Amy. She didn't say whether deliberate or not. Sure. And I like that Mulder, basically the idea that he puts that, I think it's, I think it's up to determination. And I have, I lean one way of, of whether it was voluntary or not. But if there was anything voluntary of it, it was finding peace and finally escaping totally this trauma totally. right and it's it's kind of fucked up in a way because 
you know, you, we, we don't as a Western culture in general ever like glorify or even tip a cap to, to suicide. Even if somebody's in incredible pain, like it's just this massive no, no, but if you make Japan, it a pen though, set, well, for fucking for sure, dude, throw, fucking throw on a shirt with a tiger on it, go in the woods and fucking call it a day. Dude. in like Belgium, you can have like a bad head cold and go off yourself. <laughs> <laughs> My fucking Turkey's cold. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea that there was a sacrifice involved, but more than anything, it was, it was her getting peace. And I think like, we're okay with it because it wasn't just her like fucking offing herself and in the darkness. It was, you know, I guess using this opportunity to tap out if, if that I makes like sense, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I like that analysis. Yeah. I like, I like, um, whatever there was between them, you were part of that connection. Did you think about that? I like that part too. Lucy, Lucy may have died for Amy, but without you, they never would have found her. It's pretty wild. Yep. And then when he says, I think she died for more than Amy, and that's when he's talking about the freedom, the 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 smile on his face is very satisfactory. <clears throat> yeah. And you know what I like about this episode and what I like about this whole thing is that it's very rare for this sh- one of the show, one of the things the show does is it makes you going, I wonder if regarding something supernatural. And one of the brilliant strokes of this episode is this moment right here which is the supernatural part is perfunctory to the very bitter end where we don't even care. But what we do care is did she do it willingly or not? Yeah. And that's really cool, man. That, that really works for this episode very perfectly. And it, and it makes us, and it makes us kind of question what that means and think about it and ponder it. And I just think that's really cool. It's just good writing. Yes, it is. This is a very personal human story that perfect work. Can't say it better. Perfunctory, the supernatural element. Right. Um, to the end. Right to the end. Right to the end. This one wasn't a- like, did they have a connection or did they not? It was more like, here's what I think it means from a sacrifice standpoint. Yeah, that's interesting, you know? Yep. It's pretty um, cool. This one's a love for me, man. I like it. You know what? I'm going to go love too. Yeah. I've been convinced um, just over the course of the discussion. Um, I do a lot of thinking out loud and I like that. You know, I watch it. I internalize it. I consider it. I'd make a couple notes. But talking about something either makes me like it more or less. And, and sometimes, I mean, more or less or I'm the same. But um, a lot of times it, it does change over the course of a conversation as I think about it out loud and hear other salient and rational points if, they are, if there are some. Good shit. Um, so, yeah, man. Good shit. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> um, Hell, yeah. You already, uh, you already hit a listener comment. I did. So uh, let me hit one here. Um, I'll give BP the floor. Uh, this has always been one of my favorite episodes. We always kind of poke fun at Mulder for his lack of empathy at times. Yet here, like in Roland, when the victim is defenseless, nice word, he shows great empathy and compassion. His protective nature comes out. I also think the scene when he tells Scully not everything can be boiled down to his sister's disappearance is a nice touch that shows he became an FBI agent, maybe driven by his mm. sister, but not exclusively. That there's more to him than just aliens and conspiracies. This is a beautiful and beautiful and tragic tol- tale that is told in that special X-Files way, and the ending always gets me tearing up. Strong love from me. I can dig that. Mm. Awesome. Well done, Bill, blah, 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 BP. Um, I know we're going to do a question from our friend, so... Yeah, want to hit to that? Yeah. Do you have it in front of you? Because I do not. I do, I do. So uh, we talked about this at the, the wrap-up of our last little questions thing. We had some extra ones we didn't get to, and... Uh, uh, BP's posted in the page. If you have questions, stuff in general about the X-Files or a specific topic, character, whatever, throw them to him and, um, you know, 
time allowing, we'll we'll try to get to one at the end of the episode of uh, any given episode. So this one is from uh, a member of the Shipper Three, Danielle Quota. Quota. And she asks, who, aside from CSM and the shady, shady U.S. government, is the most effective villain they've had on the show and why? This can be uh, human or non-human, and they can even answer both. This is a great question. Very great. Um, I wish I was, this is going to sound almost like a cop-out, but I assure you it isn't. I wish I was more versed in the show at this point. Um, so I'm only going to go off of what I know we have actually discussed. Mm. And I'm going to say Luther Lee Boggs. Nice. And here's why. Because she 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 didn't mean it didn't have to be governmental, right? No, no she, I think she expressly wanted like not CSM and not the big government. Like okay, cur- indi- individuals beyond that. Here's why I think he's very effective because of his ability to because we know he's a monster. We know what he's done. Okay, there's no denying that. We we make a lot of jokes about the logistics of carrying out that murder, <laughs> but more importantly. Because of the episode and because of Scully's connection to him and because of his connection to Scully's father seemingly and because of Mulder's wanting to debunk, it's almost it's almost like a mirror image of this episode a little bit um, in the role of the reversal, so to speak. But it is interesting to watch him utilize the power he knows he has over a very rational person. I like seeing, I like seeing very rational people be challenged by things that are irrational and watching them have to reconcile with that. And I think he's very, very good at that. I also think that Brad Dorff is a good actor. Um, he's always been a good character actor. And I think he shows us he has a very dark side. He has a very menacing side. He's very disturbing. And he's also very afraid to die. So I like that. I, it's a very, it's very rounded. And, um, and I'm not ever going to go back. Like that, that fucking, that shit that comes out of him and the way he can use it to manipulate somebody like Scully, who is very hard to manipulate. Mulder, you can lead around by his passions. It's really hard to do that with Scully. And, and, to, and to do it the way, and to do it as effectively as it was done was just really compelling to me. Um, I don't know if it's the best answer, but it's the best answer I have right now. I'd have to go back and watch Donnie Faster and maybe even Tombs or or Pusher or whatever, but but that's what I'm going with for now. Yep. Yeah, that I think um there's no first of all, there's definitely no right answer. This is about our our personal preferences. Oh, the Paper I think. Hearts guy is bad, Audrey. You're yeah. definitely right about that. He's amazing. So the three that first ran through my head were in fact um Donnie Faster, the Paper Hearts guy, who's another three names. So good. Three name. Um I can't remember it. And um, I just don't remember. I got to watch it. Luther Lee Boggs. He, he is, I mean, the performances are so great. But I'm going to kind of go in a different way with my answer, which is Alex Krychek. Because. I love it. I'm going to call him a villain because he often is, but he's not so simply just that. And I think that's what makes him so effective. And we've barely, at this point. Scratched the surface. Yes. Um, he is effective because he is. I mean, talk about juice for the squeeze, how much they get out of him, bringing him back, his involvement in different things when they, you know, at times a very begrudging ally or, you know, he's he's sort of a third party once he goes rogue, but he's certainly never a good guy. And I think it's it puts especially Mulder in some really cool situations as as the audience to uh, to watch. 
So, and, and, and just as an actor, I think he's fucking great. I think the performance is great. He's every time he's on screen, you know, especially he's like that. You know what he is to me? We need one more super fucking nerdy answer is, is like, if you have a great role playing campaign and it's not the big bad guy, it's the, the villain on the side of the henchman that kind of comes in and out that your players kind of love, grow to love to hate that they don't just despise and want to fucking kill him to get rid of him. It's like, like they kind of like appreciate whenever he comes into the story because you know, as much as their characters might hate him, as much as Mulder fucking despises Crycheck, like as the audience, you're like, well, I feel kind of gross, but I'm glad we got some more Crycheck. Um, so yeah, that's my answer. Yeah. That's a great answer, man. It's, 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 yeah, I like that answer a lot. And I think it's, it's a good answer. It's a really good answer because of his enduring. He endures. Mm. He's around for a while. He's yep. not just a one shot, right? Yeah. That's why, like, like to me, like, Tywin Lannister is one of the greatest, not just characters, but villains of all time. Like, there's something, it, it, it's it's the crycheck factor, which is like, I just want to keep watching him. <laughs> yes. Despite the fact that you're actively plotting against people I love. Yep, yep. I can't stop watching you. You're fucking amazing. Yeah, that's a great answer, man. Good shit. And now, well, then. we should go while they're starting talking about shipping Mulder and Crycheck and hot hate sex. <laughs> <laughs> that should be about time for us to... Uh, Get on out of here. To wrap it up. Because <laughs> they. Uh, what are we doing? Nisei. How do you say it? What's next? Nisei. 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 I don't know what that's about at all. I have no memory of Nisei. Hmm. Interesting. Looking forward to it though. All right. Well, I guess we'll see them in a couple of weeks, right? That's right. We'll be back two weeks with uh, Nisei, and uh, until then, one man entries. Fingers on the trigger. to the X-Files podcast by LSG Media. Visit us on the web at libertystreetgeek.net. That's libertystreetgeek.net. 